that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people, and I've played some, too. And there's one thing I know. People like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making? Thanks for joining me here. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! As we uh, celebrate here on the Spudcast Podcast, talking out my ask about Thanksgiving vittles. Joining me right now in, well, in just a minute, Chef Frank Brightson's of Brightson's Restaurant and uh, over there in the Riverbend. And we're going to talk about food and we're going to talk about uh, how he got to be where he is and what he's going to have on his table that says Thanksgiving to him. In the meantime, this. If you find yourself near Metro Road or on breakfast time or lunch, you should make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. If you find yourself in Kenner at breakfast time or lunch, you should make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chalmette, the best bank uptown, make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chef Brad McGee uses fresh from the farm ingredients, makes his own corned beef, conchon de lait, and a jam in a day. Custom catering, dine in and carry out or let waiter bring your sandwich straight to you. The Blue Line Sandwich Company, 2023 Metro Road, a block off of Bonneville. Call Chef Brad at 504-309-3773. Spud here, and you know the first place I go when my family needs to see a doctor is Rapid Urgent Care. I mean, you're in and out of there in 40 minutes, give or take. You'll spend that much time at an ER just waiting to get triaged. From a broken ankle to a bee sting to a COVID test, Rapid Urgent Care has got you covered with clinics all over southeast Louisiana. You don't need an appointment. Just walk right in with your ID card, your insurance card, or you can sign up for their health care partnership. Rapid Urgent Care also has a telemed center just waiting for you to call, save yourself a trip. And now Rapid Urgent Care has home visits and a mobile health unit with two complete exam rooms. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find out more and to find the clinic nearest you. Okay, so we're talking to uh, world-renowned chef Frank Brightson, who... I don't know if you would claim that, uh, but I'll give it to you because because you are a, a uh, James Beard Award winning chef, and that's an international thing. So now you're an internationally acclaimed chef, Frank. How you like them apples? I'll take that. As long <laughs> as everybody in New Orleans still likes me, I'm good. Oh, I don't know anybody in New Orleans who don't like you. <laughs> I, I really and truly don't. You know, I know a lot of people, especially when they got films coming to town and people ask me where to go eat. And I'm going, well, where are you staying or this or that? I always send them to you. Thank you. You know? No, I always, I always do. I said, you want a real New Orleans Creole cuisine? Boom. Go there. If you want some uh, Italian food, yeah, go ahead. Were well, you in Metric? Go see go see Duke. You know, but I, I always mention you because you're in the Riverbend, and that's kind of off, off the eaten path of the tourist trade, shall we say. Right. How'd you end up over there? Well, I, uh, you know, we opened Brightson's after I worked at K. Paul's. Yeah. And um, I saw all the pictures and the passing of the, the skillet and all that cool stuff. But... Yeah. I wanted to get out of the French Quarter, number one. Um, you know, it's a wonderful place, but I didn't want to set up shop there. And we looked around, mostly uptown. I uh, looked at probably six to eight properties. And when I opened the front door on Dante Street, I just felt right at home. It was. It felt like New Orleans, and it was the size of restaurant that I felt was manageable. And so here we are, 37, 35 years later. Well, it's also, I mean, all right, was it, it's like a house that's been turned into a restaurant. How how much of it was restauranty when you bought it, or did you just walk in the house and went, I can make this into a restaurant? 
Well, it is an old residence, uh, but it was a restaurant when we took it over. It was a restaurant called Dante by the River, and they had been there, about, I guess, about seven years. And uh, so it was doable. Um, we actually signed the lease and opened five days later. Oh. So it was a very intense little period. But, yes, uh, sounds like it. You know, as time went on, we made improvements and bought equipment uh, as we could and um, just trying to keep it all going. You know, it's an old building. It requires maintenance, but uh, we have a great landlord. We still lease and uh, we love the position of the restaurant because it's a peaceful New Orleans neighborhood. This little corner, the river bend. Yeah. But it's accessible from everywhere, from downtown, from Metairie, from anywhere. Yeah, it's very and easy. we have parking. I mean, how many restaurants have parking? So it has a lot going for it, and uh, it's our happy place. It is a happy place, and there's happy food in your happy place. i got to tell you that. Um, Thank you. Well, let's, let's do, okay, so this is Thanksgiving week. So people are going to be cooking, and, and the CDC... Uh, is say don't travel before they had made some kind of comment about, oh, well, maybe you can do this or I don't know what, but you know, now they're saying just don't travel, just stay home. And there's a lot of people who travel for a lot of reasons. One, they want to see family because the day before Thanksgiving is the most traveled day in, in, in America every year. But since a lot of people aren't going to be, it's probably going to be five, 10 million people less driving this year. And I don't know about trains and all those buses, they're kind of shut down. So there's a lot less travel. So a lot more people are going to be cooking at home. A lot of people are going to be wise and go to like your website and order some food. Can, can people still do that for Thanksgiving or when are y'all shutting down? Yes, we're still taking Thanksgiving orders up until Tuesday noon. Uh, okay. Tuesday the 24th. So we still have some capability there. Um, well, what it's can going I, really well. I mean, do you have like a, a menu that you're going to be have prepared, or can I call up and order? Give me, give me a thirty pound turkey with all well, the trimmings. It, no, we don't do turkey. We don't have the capability of doing that. Um, we could only cook two at a time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what we do offer, John, is uh, soups, sides, and pies. We do, uh, and we've been doing this for years. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very successful and, and a lot of fun. We do our butternut shrimp bisque, of course, and we yes. do filet gumbo. And I'm also offering a, a, a vegan gluten-free okra gumbo, which was popular last year. And then the sides, we have cornbread dressing, uh, sweet potato dirty rice, which is dirty rice classic uh, with diced candied sweet potatoes folded in at the end. Really delicious. Brights and smashed potatoes, a really good mac and cheese, and then our pies, which is our pecan pie, of course. Yeah. And then only at Thanksgiving we offer uh, a combination sweet potato pecan pie, which is really delightful. Oof. Maureen always um, makes a um, Maureen makes a chocolate chip walnut pie with a great. with a whipped with a spiced whipped cream to put on top. And oh it's like, goodness! Yeah, Thanksgiving Day. Can I order hey, that? are you kidding? Me? Yeah, she'll make you one. Well, she'll swap you. We'll take yeah, one of your a pie swap. Yeah. Well, look, I've been. Uh, I got a friend of mine gave me a bag of pecan, like a gallon or a two gallon bag of uh, pecans, and I've been sitting there cracking them. And about, uh, frankly, about a third of them are messed up or something. But I've yeah. been getting some really nice halves. And uh, and I told Maureen, you know, okay, I'm gonna have the pecans. We're gonna have to make uh, Frank's pecan pie. But if we can just swap one out with you and save me all the effort, then I can <laughs> yeah. I can just sit in front of the TV and and, and eat those things like popcorn. Yeah, you got a deal. Uh, that. That's what I like to do. Um, and then another thing I'm doing this year just for fun 
is uh, spice pecans with some pecan halves. Um, and these are kind of sweet and spicy uh, pecan, roasted pecan halves. Uh, we don't have a lot of that available, but we do have a few orders left. And talk about a good snack. Oh, my gosh. It's so addictive. Yeah, I know. I love um, that. But I just, I just like, I just like pecans. You know, and I it's, too. it's one, and I'm, you know, okay, I'm a diabetic and, and I mean, I love popcorn. Popcorn's like my favorite snack, mm -hmm. not even movies or anything. I love popcorn, but popcorn, I'm getting to the point now I can't eat too much of it and it's got too mm -hmm. many carbs. Pecans are like the lowest carb nut that I've been able to find. I mean, they're, they're like, really good for you. They're they really kind of are. more expensive. I mean, I can go buy a five pound bag of them for, well, not even five. What am I talking about? Eight or 12 ounce bag for like five bucks. Mm -hmm. But I've been, uh, I've been working over these pecans because I grew up with pecans. We had like seven or eight big pecan trees out in the country where I grew up, man. So we always had pecans. Right. When cool. I was, uh, when I was a young boy in my neighborhood, one of the neighbor boys had a lot of pecan trees on this lot and we used to gather them up and, <laughs> We would build a fire in the street on the curb with scrap limbs and plywood and roast the pecans right there on the street and mm. crack them open and eat them. You know how you put two whole pecans in your hand, you squeeze them together to yeah. crack them. Oh, my gosh. On a cold, blustery winter day, hot roasted pecans. Boy, yeah, what a yeah, great memory nice that toasting is. hands. Yeah, that feels Well, we always had, uh, I mean, we built a lot of fires, but like I said, we're out in the Thule's. We would we would just go pick them. We had those things. Uh, we finally wised up and bought uh, the the line of the big spring looking thing with the hole on the end on the end of a stick. So you just right. just pick them up and then dump them out that hole into a bag. And we'd probably end up with like twenty thirty gallons of of uh, unshelled pecans, you know. And we'd sit there and give them to people or crack them, and that would be a Christmas gift for everybody. It's like, oh yeah. Here, Here's your pecan cracker with the little picker to get the, the the stuff out the meat. Yeah, that was part of the Brightson family tradition. That during the holidays, mom had a, 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 a decorative sort of dish that was made out of a slice of a tree, and it was a nutcracker. And so we're sitting around watching TV as kids, and we'd be cracking nuts the whole time, pecans. And uh, you know, it's a you know, I think citrus and pecans are part of Louisiana holiday tradition. You know, we're in the mm -hmm. heart of our citrus season right now. The Louisiana navel oranges are, are out now, which is the best orange in the world, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, I love I'm a satsuma guy. I, yeah, me I too. Love me them. too. I love them on salads. Um, no, you know what? I don't. To... I just want to eat them. I just want to peel them and eat them and then That's pull them little strings for. out my teeth, you know? Yeah. We always had a case of navel oranges sitting on the bay window seat in our kitchen. So we'd have them for breakfast, for lunch, take them to school. Just so delicious. Would you, would you uh, decorate them with whole cloves and leave them out in the middle of the table? Uh, no. Well, but that sounds fun. Oh, it's fun and it smells really good. Yeah. So if you got a bowl, like four or five of them, and a and it's like decorate them like a like a swirl all the way around or different patterns, just shove whole cloves into the uh, into the orange. So you're getting the you're piercing the skin just oh, enough, yeah. but you're plugging oh, yeah. it. Out. Of course. Yeah. I, I do remember that actually. Yeah. And um, my mom. Citrus is something that you know. For instance, in our candy sweet potatoes, I have a, 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 you know, a healthy dose of citrus content in my candy sweet potatoes. I, I use orange juice, fresh orange juice from the navels and uh, lemon juice. And it really lightens up what can be an overly sweet dish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my candy sweet potatoes, I'm basically cooking them in a syrup made with white sugar and brown sugar, cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla, but quite a bit of fresh orange juice and lemon juice, and it really brightens them up beautifully. Do you do, I mean, is it like the 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 whole ones, like chunks of them, or do you whip them up and mash them? It depends on what I'm doing with them. I actually do them three different ways. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, for the dirty rice, for instance, we dice the sweet potatoes in like a Brabant size, half-inch dice, so they're folded into the dirty rice. If we're serving as a but side you cook, dish, wait a minute, you but you 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 don't do you cook them first? Like Maureen oh, boils yeah. them, just and then, like I described. Yeah. Okay. Just like I described, just like candy sweet potatoes. And then if I'm doing it as a side dish, I'll dice them into wedges, a little larger. Mm-hmm. And then later on this year in December, we'll we'll do our sweet potato bread pudding, where we candy Ooh. the sweet potatoes and puree the whole mix with the syrup and fold that into the bread pudding custard. And that's served with a praline sauce. That's coming up in December. All right. Well, let me let me take a break here uh, and go wipe some of the slobber off my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And like, for instance, uh, I grew up up the river, so we never had oyster dressing. I do cornbread dressing. I'll tell you about mm-hmm. mine. But we'll also want to talk about brining a turkey because we don't. What are the pros and cons of that? And what are something like if I give you my my cornbread dressing recipe, what can you do to enhance it? Mm-hmm. All right. But I got to step away for a second. We're talking with Chef Frank Bikeson of Brightson's Restaurant in the uh, Riverbend. If you've never been there, you really owe it to yourself to go. Uh, this is the Spudcast podcast. I'm talking out my ass, but I'll do that right after this. Just when you thought 2020 had served up the worst it had to offer, here comes hurricane season and the flooding rains of summer, right? Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home in a good year? Well, I can't help you with pandemics or Saharan sand, but I can tell you how to fix your flooding problem. Call the team at Home Team Elevation. Their precision home raising equipment will lift you above the floods. It's height done right. Guaranteed. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the Home Team Advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. In the worry, stop insurance rate hikes. You want design choices? On the Home Team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with Home Team Elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222, 3011222, or go to hometeamelevation.com. And we're back talking to Chef Frank Brightson about what you can do to uh, to enhance your your Thanksgiving dinner here on the Spudcast podcast. Um, okay, so let's first off, let's do brining. I know people that brine their turkey. I mean, if you go to some of the grocery stores, they already got a five-gallon bucket and all the salt and everything else. All you got to do is add water and dump your turkey in there. I am not a briner. Mo and I don't do that. We have our own recipe of seasonings that we put together. Um, we, uh, we like cut an apple and an orange in half dip them in the dry seasonings, and then uh, and then we pour uh, uh, olive oil in that and make a paste, and then smear that all over under the skin, rosemary sprigs under the skin, fill the uh, cavity with the fruit and some celery and some green onions, and then into the oven it goes so I can get the, the drippings to make a gravy. What would benefit me doing what I do like that? Would brining benefit me, or is it just an extra step that's it's okay or it ain't well i i'll say this i love brining meats 
Um, it really does have a, a chemical effect on the meat. It keeps it moist, but it tenderizes the meat. Mm -hmm. It breaks down the enzymes or connective tissue between the, um, the meat molecules, and it does actually tenderize the meat. However, I don't brine my turkey because it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where, where are you going to put it? And who's going to clean all that stuff up? You already got enough going on with Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I do my Thanksgiving turkey in a very simple way that I learned from my mom. And number one, um, part of my Thanksgiving tradition is the schedule. You know, you got to schedule all these activities. So oh, yeah. on Sundays, we buy the turkey as well as chicken, I mean, uh, turkey wings and necks for stock. So if you buy the turkey on Sunday, by Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, it's perfectly defrosted in your well, fridge. I have a 25-pounder. It's been defrosting since Thursday. Yeah. So. Uh, all we use is butter, salt, and pepper. And hmm. so we take um, the turkey out of the packaging, rinse it in the sink, uh, pat it dry, and then rub it all over with softened butter. And I mean all over, every inch of the outside. And then I put my hand underneath the skin of the breast. Yeah, we do that. And rub it onto the breast meat. And then uh, liberally seasoned with salt and black pepper. Um, so that part is pretty straightforward and simple. Um, Mine's almost exactly the same, except I'd use uh, more than just salt and pepper. I do use salt and pepper, but yeah. I have some cayenne and some other flavorings that we put in there and I, yeah. and I mix it up, uh, in a paste with, with the, uh, with the olive oil, but that's, and that's, I, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, we keep it fairly simple. Uh, the key to roasting the turkey to me, because it's such a big bird is I preheat my oven to 500 degrees Ooh. and I put it on a V rack in a roasting pan, yes. and as soon as it goes in the oven, I lower it to 325. So what the 500 degrees does is it jump starts the process. And then uh, after an hour of cooking, I start basting, and I baste every 30 minutes or so. And you can find the um, timing on a turkey by going to like butterball.com website and mm -hmm. get approximate timing. But what you should use is a meat thermometer. What's called yeah. a biotherm. Not that little pop-up thingy. No, just throw that out. Uh, before you even start cooking, just throw the plastic thing away. But for safety's sake, you need to use a meat thermometer. And when I think the bird is almost done, I start checking the temperature mm -hmm. in the last part of the bird to cook, which is going to be the joints where the uh, thigh bone meets the hip. Push your uh, meat thermometer down into that joint. Because that's going to be the last wait, part like to down down into like the bone and the cartilage and everything. Because I was I always heard you're not well, supposed to touch the bone with the with the thermometer. Nah. Okay. Uh, inside the leg, you know, pull yeah. the leg out a little bit and just get into that in, inner joint, and you'll see the juices. If the juices are still pink, it's not done. You want clear juices. Uh, that'll mean the bird is fully cooked. And then when it comes out. Uh, I move the V-rack out of the roasting pan so that I can deglaze the pan for gravy and cover the bird with foil and let it rest for about an hour. And that'll allow all the juices to settle and you'll have a moister turkey. 
and then you can slice it and it'll still be warm actually. Yeah. You know, one thing about Thanksgiving for me, Spud, is I want hot food. And the thing about Thanksgiving that's challenging for home cooks is this is the only day of the year where we cook this much food and this many dishes and all of a sudden you don't have enough oven racks and your fridge is yeah. too full. Well, we had to but redo if you the have kitchen. Like eight dishes instead yeah. of setting them out on in, in casserole dishes or something. I set up chafing dishes in my kitchen. Well, and we, there's only like six of us. Well, there's five of but us. I want is going to eat. Food hot. Yeah, I want my food hot. We have we have something like that, but we also have when we redid our kitchen. Maureen found uh one like on clearance a twin convection ovens. So nice. most most of the year the bottom oven is filled with pans. But right. come Thanksgiving, man, we're ranking out both of them, you know, and one's cooking at the top and one's cooking or heating at the bottom and the pies have been cooked the day before, you know. Right. So believe That's me, great. we use those ovens, boy. That's and, really good. All right, let's move on then. Okay, so we got the turkey. That's going cool. Uh, I make cornbread dressing. I use uh, pork sausage with sage. Uh, I usually, uh, I'm not going to make as big a one this year because it's not, all, you know, we don't have as big a crowd. But I, uh, I, I usually get uh, chicken livers and chicken gizzards and boil them up to make my stock. I got to cut that little rubber band that holds the two, the two pieces of, of gizzard together. And then I put them in a, in a Cuisinart like a little thingy. And I mix all that up in there. I use a, um, like a cup of rice and a crack of egg in there to help it bind with the cornbread. But I don't, you know... I, a little bit of salt. I, f- I find that all the meat and the seasonings that's already in the pork sausage, you know, I find that plenty seasoning enough. And consider yeah, I'm going to dump gravy so. all over it. It's going to be, it comes out really good. Yeah. But I'm This year I'm using that Jiffy cornbread mix, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't normally like that, but Maureen does. So I'm doing it this year like that. But uh, I mean, what, what, what on top of that would, would enhance the flavor of this? What's, what's going to enhance my uh, cornbread dressing that I don't know about? Well, dressings and stuffings are, I think, a very special type of cooking. And I think there's basic fundamental principles that I follow in all my dressings, no matter what kind it is. Number one, a lot of vegetables. If you're using onion, celery, bell pepper, whatever it might be. Yeah. More vegetables, less bread. Um, And then to keep your dressing moist and light, you need three things. A little stock, a little butter. And then at the end, temper it an egg, as you mentioned. Yeah. And that will, the butter and stock will keep your dish moist. And then I bake it on a, like a cookie sheet, a half sheet pan, till it gets crusty on top, no matter what kind of dressing it is. Because that browning on top, that crustiness is what really makes it good. And the egg will help lighten the mixture. Yeah. So it's not too heavy, not too bready. And those yeah. principles can be applied to anything. Now, Brightson family tradition is oyster dressing. My mom's, that was her signature dish. Yeah. But it's very labor intensive. It's, it's um, celery, green onions, and parsley in copious amounts. There's three cups of vegetables per portion. And I'm debating <laughs> whether to uh-huh. make it this year. I bought the oysters, but I have so much else going on with work and everything. I might just do something very simple like an oyster stew. You know, where yeah, I just the milk and the, green the oyster water yeah. and, and uh, then reduce some cream. And then at the end, saute the oysters with green onions and, and drop them in. That's what Maureen's um, family would do. They would they would do that. They didn't do oyster dressing. They would do just a regular French bread dressing. Their mother would let it uh, let the French bread get like 
just crrusty, crusty, hard, right. dry out. And then she'd soak it in water and, right. and well, make her dressing like that. Does. She uh, would take rock hard French bread and then strain off the oyster liquor or oyster water and squeeze the bread in that oyster juice. Mm -hmm. And that's what thickened the dressing. And the more you bake that dressing, the better it gets. You know, we'd reheat it that night for uh, turkey and oyster dressing yeah. sandwiches, uh, which is really fabulous. Uh, and then a big part of my tradition, too, is the, the filet gumbo uh, for Thanksgiving weekend. You know, save yeah. the carcass, make a simple stock. Yeah, and I was talking um, with people I was talking with people about that. I said, what do you got to have on your table that, that says Thanksgiving? And for me, it's the cornbread dressing. But mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially all my African-American friends, are all saying gumbo. They got to have a gumbo right. on the table Thanksgiving Day. I'm going, in my family, the gumbo is the leftover gravy and the carcass that you boil. So right. that's on that's on Sunday. You get some old yeah. gooey sausage and and you finish out your weekend with gumbo. Like that's you. my that's a sweet spot of my whole year is Sunday sitting on the couch watching the Saints eating filet gumbo. It, it's really a, a very important part of my holiday tradition. Um, and then you need side vegetables too, Spud. Oh, Maureen um, makes this thing she calls peas Rockefeller. She takes petit pois and she flavors it. Oh, dude. She flavors them like oysters, Rockefeller, with the pecho bitters and everything. Nice. It's, that sounds it, delicious. It is delicious. It is something. And then the cornbread dressing, and she always makes uh, cauliflower au gratin, and she right. does mashed uh, sweet potatoes. And you know what they have? Egg noodles. They don't have potatoes. Have egg, egg noodles. Yes, that uh, is weird. Good. Next time you see her, I tell her that, that because I don't you know anybody. Tell her I said that. That's weird. <laughs> but it's there. I'm telling you, we got to have. I want to tell you, John, I got a special treat for your listeners. Um, if you go to our website, brightsons.com, there's a recipe up there for my broccoli au gratin. Ooh. And it's simple, delicious, and you can make a small batch. The recipe serves six. So a lot of families are doing smaller gatherings yeah. this year, which is the right thing to do. Um, this is a very simple dish, and it's based on French technique. You make a, a bechamel sauce, you add cheese, and then you got a Mornay sauce. But the thing about um, broccoli au gratin or anything au gratin is that in New Orleans, we automatically think that means topped with a bunch of cheddar cheese and melted on top. But my recipe is more the classic French technique of gratiné, which means to brown on top. Mm -hmm. So I top it with a mixture of breadcrumbs, parmesan, and melted butter. So you get a little crispy crunchiness on top. Ooh. And my kids so love that broccoli. So that recipe's at brightsons.com. If you go to the website, B-R-I-G-T-S-E-N-S.com, it's the first thing that'll pop up. And that's my Thanksgiving gift to everyone. Well, that's a hell of a gift. And you can't do any better than that. Frank Brightson, chef par excellence. How many, how many James Beard Awards have you gotten? Uh, well, I got Best Chef Southeast back in uh, 98. And then um, this year, the front of the house was up for outstanding hospitality. Um, well, it certainly is. And hospitable. so that was a big, big thing for us. It is a big thing. It's a, and, and one of these days when the, when the cootie goes away, we'll all be able to go back and sit down there and have all – have all your, your waitresses who I love. And that's another thing I tell people when I tell them to go over there and eat. They said, all the wait staff you have, they all treat you like they're your aunt. Yes, and they'll, and they'll exactly mess right. with you, you know. So, I mean, they always right. mess with my kids. And I, and I always get a big kick out of it. Frank Bryson, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and to everyone listening. Take care of yourselves. And we'll see you on the other side. Yeah.
I scream, you scream, we all scream for beads and doubloons and coconuts and marching bands and walking clubs and tableaus and mask balls and mystic crews and everything else that says Mardi Gras. Keep Mardi Gras what it's always been, a family event before Lent. If you want to help keep traditions alive, go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and join the growing group of businesses, citizens, and carnival entities that want to keep Mardi Gras a safe and happy event without it being regulated to death. Go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and laissez les bon temps rouler. Hey, what you got going this weekend? Can't go to the game, you can't even tailgate, so what you gonna do? Go fishing! Get yourself a licensed and insured charter guide on LASaltwater.com. Super easy to follow that website. What you gonna catch, where you wanna catch it, how you wanna catch it. All the big ones are waiting for you, and to top it off, you'll still be able to watch the game on TV at the lodge at the end of the day of fishing. Sounds great? Got an open spot for you, babe. You want in, just sign up on LASaltwater.com. Okay, so uh, Frank Brightson, Chef Frank Brightson. By the way, yeah, again, if you've never been there, you really owe it to yourself. He's on Dante Street in the River Bend. And if you're ever going up Leak Avenue, River Road, Leak Avenue, and you see that Balins, B-A-L-L-I-N-S, that's the parking lot he's talking about because all those businesses shut down 5 o'clock, and then he's right there. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Brightsons.com, B-R-I-G-T-S-E-N-S. You got till, uh, .com, you got till Tuesday at noon to order. Uh, tomorrow night on the Spudcast podcast, uh, Chef Duke LaCicero of Dabs out in Metri is going to tell us what the Italian side. Frank Brightson told us about the Creole New Orleans uh, Paul Prudhomish food. Now we're going to have the Italian version of thanks, uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, so I hope you join us for that one. In the meantime, thanks for joining us here. Please do go out and uh, and uh, and honor all of our patrons who keep this uh, show up and running. Home Team Elevations and the Blue Line Sandwich Company and Rapid Urgent Care and uh, Charter Boats and the Mardi Gras Alliance. We'll have some more cranking up next year, too, as a matter of fact. And, of course, later on in the week we'll talk with Weldon because we'll have newsmakers and ball breakers. But in the meantime, thanks for joining me. You can find us here on, uh, what, Red Circle and Spotify and Pandora and Stitchers and a bunch of others. But mostly uh, local folks, you want to hear me, I'll be on my Facebook page of Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell, and The Big Teasy. And you can find me on Twitter at SpudGotDat, at SpudGotDat. So there you go. If you want to send me a message uh, or you had an idea for a show or you want to join a, a growing list of direct emails that I send the SpudCast podcast to, thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com, thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. Dot com. All right. See you tomorrow night with Chef Duke LaCicero. Y'all watch out for the crazies. I'll see you later. I'm a gone pecone.